Okay, uh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be asked uh, to speak on the giveaway uh, short devotional, uh, one of the Beatitudes, and to continue uh, in the mini series. I know uh, David Reed and Mark Preston have already spoke, um, and tonight I'm going to be speaking on the second one, uh, found in Matthew chapter 5, uh, and it's blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted, uh, in verse 4. So in case any of us haven't been to the last two or maybe missed one, uh, a wee overview. Uh, the Beatitudes are part of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, one of Christ's major discourses uh, found in the New Testament. Uh, another example would be the Olivet Discourse, uh, which comes at the end of Matthew. And just a wee distinction to make at the start, uh, the Sermon on the Mount is given for the believer. Nowhere in it do we find, in the Beatitudes, do we find uh, the Gospel. If we read in uh verse 1 and verse 2 of chapter 5 uh, we'll see it says and seeing the multitudes he went up into the mountain and when he was set his disciples came on to him and he opened his mouth and he taught them saying so we see that Christ uh, he didn't give this to the multitudes he gave this to the disciples those that were already his um, uh, one of my favorite uh, pastors Dennis Lyle he had this to say he said this sermon is not Christ's advice for the non-Christian on how to live. This uh, teaches how believers are to live uh, now that they're already in the kingdom. We are not saved by such a lifestyle, but we are saved for such a lifestyle. And now that we've established who this message is for, let's look at what the message is. So I'll just read it again. And it says, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. So a little bit of context Christ is setting forth uh, marks of those who are his, marks of a true Christian, and tonight we'll consider one of those marks. One of the marks of a child of God is someone who mourns. Generally, there's three uh, types of mourning that I could come up with. There's a natural mourning, such as bereavement. Uh, I'm sure all of us have experienced that. There's a sinful mourning, um, which is really the enemy, the blessedness, and the sorrow of the world. But there's a gracious morning which qualifies for blessedness, a habitual seriousness, and an actual sorrow. What is meant by the term uh, morning that we see here? Well, it's a passionate grief, an outward demonstration of what is felt inwardly. It's quite a strong word, very uh, expressive, and it really uh, conveys the deepest kind of sorrow. Morning here has to do with one's state before God. It's often referred to by commentators and theologians as gospel mourning. Um, I couldn't come up with a good enough definition on my own. So I turned to uh, uh, Reverend John Greer and he described it like this. He said, gospel mourning is a grief of the soul, not just a plain human grief. It's the sorrow that rises up out of the soul due to a consciousness of sin because of awareness of sin. And this person has been brought face to face with their own personal sin. Or the sin of others. That's quite a mouthful to take in, but uh, it helped me in preparing this. But one thing I found uh, to be quite a paradox when reading this verse was that such a person uh, is described as blessed or happy. And in our heads, this can almost seem to not make sense. Um, so firstly, uh, now that I've uh, described what is meant by mourning, I want to look at examples, uh, two examples of mourning that isn't blessed, and then I'll uh, give two examples in the Bible of where uh, such mourning could be described as blessed. Back in Genesis and chapter 4, you don't have to turn to it if you don't want to. Uh, we have uh, Cain and Abel, 
And in verse 13, Cain says, he says this, he says, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Uh, here he's sorrowing. God has exposed his sin and judged him accordingly because of it. You'll remember how that Abel and Cain both brought their offerings to God, how uh, Abel brought that acceptable offering and Cain didn't. And eventually Cain killed Abel. But notice here, he's not mourning because he's murdered his brother Abel or because he tried uh, to set up another access to God. He's mourning because of the punishment that God has placed upon him, which was that he would wander in the land of Nod for the rest of his life. And then back in the New Testament, in Luke chapter 16, uh, we come across the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And uh, Lazarus, he has went to heaven. Uh, and he is, uh, we read that he's in Abraham's bosom. And the rich man has went to hell. And then from there, he says in verse 24, for I am tormented with this flame uh, a little bit of context while here he asks uh, if Lazarus could dip the tip of his finger in water uh, to cool his tongue uh, there's no blessedness in this this is a morning of eternal hopelessness there are many other examples we could turn to but we simply don't have time um, in Matthew 5 and 4 this is a morning that is blessed the individual will be comforted also uh, perhaps this won't be an immediate comfort for those. That, uh, for some, this might only uh, be realised whenever they get to heaven. Uh, we can think back to the story of Abraham or of uh, Lazarus and uh, the rich man, and it says uh, in verse twenty-five, the next verse. But Abraham said, "Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things." But now he is comforted and thou are tormented. Note that the happiness of heaven consists in being perfectly and eternally comforted and then the wiping away of all tears from their eyes. And this will be especially felt by those who've prepared for it, uh, through it by godly sorrow. So two examples of mourning in the Bible that would fit this verse and could be described as gospel mourning. I'm sure all of you will be familiar with the story of the prodigal son uh, in Luke chapter 15. Uh, and verse 18, and how he took his father's inheritance and went off uh, and spent it and wasted it. But at the very end of that, um, whenever he's uh, feeding the swine uh, and he realizes his sin and is remorseful, he says this, he says, I will arise and go to my father and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And here the prodigal son, he sorrowed over his own sin. He arises while in the far country and he comes back home and he confesses his sin to God and he laments over it. So there's one example. And then um, going through the Bible, uh, quite a lot of verses here, but uh, one more is uh, in Psalm 51, that famous Psalm where uh, David repents for his sin uh, with Bathsheba uh, and for having, uh, have, having had her husband Uriah murdered. He says, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil thing in thy sight. In order uh, to be at war with our uh, sin, we must mourn it and we must confess it. We don't have time to look at it, but we could look at Paul as he talks about the war between the spirit and the flesh in Galatians 5. And then he gives us various examples of uh, the works of the flesh, such as adultery, fornication. But then he gives us the fruit of the spirit. 
of what should be evident in each of our lives. True gospel mourning is where the believer has come face to face with God. He mourns his sin and he loathes himself for it. But when we mourn our sin, uh, we'll begin to hate it. And my question to you as a believer uh, tonight is, do you mourn your sin or do you tolerate it? Maybe you comfort yourself with the excuse, well, we're all perfect. We still sin every day. And whilst uh, true in itself, this is often so flippantly used as an excuse away sin. Uh, I heard uh, a quote before, and I can't remember who said it, but it's always spoke to me as, uh, whilst um, we can't be sinless on earth, uh, we should aim to sin less. And uh, with that, I am my talk. I hope it's been an encouragement and a blessing to you. Just to give you a bit of background, um, my history, um, I was born in a, a Christian home um, in 1979, would you believe? So born in the 70s, which doesn't make me feel that like young. Uh, I was the youngest of three. I was saved at the age of seven. Um, and I went to Sunday school, youth fellowship. I went to Lestudor um, and various youth meetings. Um, I grew up on a farm, so I think it would be wrong to say I started work after university. Um, I experienced childhood labour um, and I survived it. Um, so it was gathering stones in a ploughed field or bringing in hay or dosing sheep or dehorning calves. But of course, the highlight of the year was uh, bringing in the silage. So that was my start to working life. Um, I wouldn't say I wandered from God in my mid-teens um, because I think that sounds a bit too nice. Um, the reality was I wanted the eternal security of the gospel. Um, but I wanted to do what my peers were doing. So in reality, I, I lived for myself and um, probably in the middle of my teenage years. Um, eventually, I realized it just wasn't right. It wasn't good. It wasn't healthy. And I came back to the Lord and I was blessed with new friends. Uh, I was be- uh, blessed with friends who hungered for God's word, um, who hungered to serve God and hungered to evangelize. Um, I was blessed through things like Jordanstown Christian Union. Um, Various churchy fellowships, training weekends, uh, teaching weekends, and then getting involved in youth leadership. Now I'm married with uh, three primary school uh, aged children. Um, I mentioned earlier about uh, working at home on the farm. Um, the reason I do that is I don't see work as the job uh, you get paid for. Some of you will grow up and you, your job will be to manage a house and to raise children. Um, and if our view of work is only paid labour uh, somewhere else, then sometimes we can undervalue some of the most important jobs in our, in our life. And some of those most important jobs can be raising a family. So just mention that in brief. Um, my first paid job was uh, in the mid-teens. Um, I worked in a little shop that sold fruit and veg and garden stuff. As a shy teenager, um, I probably learned how to have conversations with adults I didn't know. That maybe sounds a bit basic, but I think it did help me in in later life. Um, I went on to complete a business degree at Jordanstown. Uh, I didn't really have any focus on where I wanted my career to be. My first full-time job, if you like, was in Survitech. That was a company that designed and manufactured inflatable life rafts over in Dunmurray. I was a buyer. So I basically bought the stuff. Um, after about three years doing that, I moved to the quality department. Um, and in there, I basically made sure the stuff we were buying was the right standard. And I did that for about four years. 
Uh, I remember being really challenged um, in the year 2009 uh, after a thing called New Horizon, which was a teaching uh, week up at Korean University. And really challenged what I was doing with my life. Um, I'd recently got married with no children, with no mortgage. Uh, I had the opportunity to think, what am I doing here? Um, what do I see myself doing? So I, I decided to take a year out and do a one-year Bible study course called Cornhill. Um, I think some of you guys are aware of that. Um, and it's an amazing year. I'll come back to that later. But after that year, um, I felt a little unsure what I was going to do after it. Some of the guys in the course were going on to be missionaries. Some of the guys were planned to go to Bible college. Um, and it looked like I was going back into secular employment. And I was thought to myself, I wonder was that a year wasted? Um, I used to have a job that had uh, benefits um, and and I left that to do this. Um, so it just it made me think, wonder was that the right thing to do? But after that, I, I briefly went back to my old job um, and then I moved to a company called Shorts um, or Bombardier or as of last month, uh, it's called Spirit. And that's where I've been for the last 10 years working there. Um, and uh, the reality of work at the minute uh, during COVID is I'm in the office three days a week and I'm working from home for two days a week. So that's just sort of a background uh, and, and where what I uh, see as work. So I'm not sure of the usual format, whether there's questions rather than at the end of this, but feel free, guys, if there's any questions you have of what I say uh, at the end, uh, far ahead. And uh, sometimes questions can help uh, just help understand things I wasn't clear on or things you thought might have been covered and it didn't. Um, so just another five minutes or so. How am I surviving work? The reality is we will spend most of our times and most of our lives in work. As Christians, we've probably prayed and we probably still do pray, Lord, give me opportunities to tell others about you. And maybe you with your church um, or other organizations try to make opportunities uh, with maybe outreach events or children's ministries. And rightly so. Um, those are good things. But what if God answered your prayer by sending you to an unreached group of people? What if he so shaped your abilities and your skills and your gifts and your location? So that you obtained certain results at school and university that you got offered a job and you were sent to an unreached group of people. Well, he does that every day. Sometimes we miss the obvious and we can do it by seeing our job as maybe as the rest of the world sees it. Um, that place where we earn money, where we can, so then we can buy stuff or where we can advance our career or we can improve society and help others but what if it's more than that what if god from before the foundation of the world had planned your life and wanted to use you in his plan to extend his kingdom for all eternity so saying all that i say it because i don't want you to limit your idea of your job as something you can make a fortune at or maybe one day you'll have 100 people working for you that's small compared to what God can do through you. So realize God is at work in you. Your job will bring you into contact with people that you would never have chose or otherwise had the opportunity to spend hours on end with. So what are we going to do with that time? And it makes me think of John chapter 4, that verse that you probably know. Open your eyes. Look at the fields. They're white or they're ripe, ready for harvest. 
So with that, just four simple things um, come to mind um, I want to draw your attention to. God gives us opportunities when we do different things. God gives us opportunities when we step outside our comfort zone, uh, when we find other Christians in work. God gives us opportunities when we spend time with people outside of work. And God gives us opportunities when we show love and kindness in just our everyday routine to those work colleagues that we have. So stepping outside our comfort zone. I'm not sure how many of you guys are are started full-time work or uh, someday you will, but you'll have plenty of opportunities to step outside your comfort zone. Say you start a new job and somebody says to you, so you're new here? And then after a while they say, are you heading out at the weekend? Uh, No. Uh, were you anywhere last weekend? Uh, yeah, I was at a church event. Are you a Christian? And you feel that. And the answer is, yeah. And then they maybe say, all oh, right, I better watch what I say. Or, oh, very good. Or they'll say something like that. And our instinct might be, I need to find somewhere to hide. Or, you know, but maybe just say to them, are you a Christian? See where the conversation goes. Step outside your comfort zone. Um, and see where the conversation goes. I used to travel in my previous job, which meant uh, I used to have some long-haul flights with various work colleagues. So I soon learned that my choice of reading material uh, opened opportunities for me. So the book I brought with me to read on a flight, what conversation will it start with the guy I'm sitting beside? And if, if the conversation goes somewhere, what have I got with me to give to him? So invest in good Christian literature, little pamphlets, that sort of thickness there, um, two ways to live, things like that. Have those in your drawer and work. Have them in your bag um, or come up to Christmas um, have little books like What is Christmas or Searching, Searching for Christmas. Uh, lots of different things that are out there that are just handy little things to give to friends and work that you might start a conversation with. Um, I visited suppliers and sometimes they took me out for a meal um, in, the, in the evening, which was lovely. Um, but that sometimes led to gospel conversations. Now, those conversations might die, um, but they might go somewhere. But again, it's good to be able at the end of that um, just to say, here, there's a wee book uh, just on the things we were talking about there. So that's the first thing. Um, secondly, find other Christians in work. My first job, it was good to find other Christians in work. And when you start a job, usually those Christians are older than you. Um, but it was good to find those guys and um, to encourage each other, to challenge each other, to pray for each other. Um, and sometimes that takes a while to work out who a Christian is. Sometimes you could be in a place for months or even a year and then realize, oh, someone was a Christian. Um, but it was good to find other Christians and build up a relationship with them. My current job, um, there's a group of Christians that meet once a week at lunchtime. Uh, and we simply find a room and we sit down and watch a teaching DVD for maybe 15, 20 minutes, have a quick chat, pray together, and then go back to work. Um, so that's good teaching opportunity, but it's also building relationships um, so that maybe you have a conversation with somebody from their office. You could say, I was chatting to so-and-so about the gospel there and pray for him. Um, so find other Christians in work for encouragement, to challenge each other, and to pray for each other. Another thing I would say is spend time with people outside of work, so your work colleagues. I usually find it easiest to speak to people about the gospel on a one-to-one basis. So you look for opportunities to do that. Um, 
say if somebody says to you in the office, here, do you want to go for a walk at lunch? And you're thinking, no, I don't. But actually just say, yeah, okay, I'll grab my coat. Go on mission for 20 minutes. Um, go and maybe it's just listen to, listen to the person, find out about, about their life. Um, but see those opportunities. Um, look, at, look for opportunities to speak to people. You might be walking from one office to another, another uh, and somebody else is going as well. Go alongside them and say, how's it going? And walk with them. Look for opportunities. Spend time with people outside of work. One of those opportunities could be your work Christmas night out. And here's one where you'll rightly go, should I go or should I not go? And I would just say, be careful here. Um, use wisdom. Um, the way I thought about it was, if I can have a conversation with someone, I'll go. And there's times over a, a meal, I was able to talk to people, have great conversations. And maybe most of the people were then going on to a nightclub. Could I have a conversation in a nightclub with the music really loud? No. So I didn't go. So I just, I'm just saying, use wisdom in those circumstances. Know your temptations and ensure your safety and those sorts of things. But I had great conversations with people at Christmas dinners because they feel more relaxed. They're outside of the office. And sometimes, and usually the conversation started with, why do you not drink? And that, that produced a conversation. And it's not a conversation about uh, morality. It's a conversation that you want to lead towards Jesus about uh, forgiveness of sin. Um, so uh, avoid going down the morality route um, and, and aim for the speaking about Jesus route. So that's spend time with people outside of work. And even just simply um, showing love and kindness to work colleagues uh, in everyday routine. Um, at the minute, a lot of people are working from home, so um, you don't see them as often. So I find you, you just phone people and say, how's it going? How's life? Um, how's things with your family? You find out who's actually got a relative who's sick with COVID. Tell them I'm praying for you. And a few days later, phone them again, say, how's things going? So show kindness, or even if you're in the office, um, look for ways to help somebody. Um, offer help with simple tasks. Um, do something that isn't a nice job. Um, there's a girl in our office who with a, used to have a shared office before COVID, um, maybe 100 people in it, and there was a shared fridge. And obviously people just end up leaving stuff in the fridge. And there's this girl that very kindly went and she cleaned the fridge. It's not the thing you want to do, but it spoke volumes um, for that lady's kindness that she'd done that. So uh, look for opportunities to show kindness. So in all of that, um, remember you go in God's strength. Um, there are times where your heart will beat because you think, I can't do this. I, I don't want to talk about that. But go in God's strength. Um, take risks. Um, step outside your comfort zone. Um, and just, yeah, talk to people about the gospel. Um, people, people won't see you probably as a born-again Christian. People will see you as good living or churchy or something like that. So don't think that by uh, somebody finding out you go to church, they'll actually understand what the gospel is. Um, so invest in good conversations to take them away from the idea of uh, I go to church, therefore I follow these rules, as opposed to I go to church because I have a relationship with God. Um, so how have those conversations to clarify what it is to be a Christian. 
I mentioned earlier about uh, my year out. Um, I'd done a Bible study course for a year and then went back into secular employment while others went to Bible college. And I struggled for a while after that, thinking, did I do the right thing or did I should I have done that for a year? And I would say, absolutely. I would say do that for a year. If you have an opportunity before you start employment or even during employment, whether it's between school and uni or uni and work, think about taking a year out to do a Bible study course. Um, think about taking a year out to go and serve on mission. Maybe that's not your long-term uh, ambition, um, but what do you learn in that year will shape how you think about things for the rest of your life. Um, being exposed to a mission field or being exposed to teaching um, and conversations within a Bible college will shape your thinking. So um, and I, think, I think it's a thing we don't do much in Northern Ireland. And we do, guys probably do it more in America. They take a, a year out and go and study at a, a theological college or go and serve on mission for a year. Um, and that shapes your mind for when you do go into a full-time job. So that's more or less all I want to say. I just want to mention this book, if you can see it. Um, I'm not sure if that's clear. It's called Thank God It's Monday by Mark Green. Um, is actually an old uh, edition of it. But I would recommend getting this book. It really challenges our thinking on what it is to work um, and what it is to have a job. So there, there's other books out there, don't get me wrong, but I, I find this one uh, very helpful. Um, Thank God It's Monday by Mark Green. Um, that's really all I have to say. I, I hope I've covered the, the right stuff. Um, and I'm just wondering if there's any questions or if there's anything you thought I might have mentioned or any queries about what it's like starting a job or difficulties you've had in a job or anything at all. Um, I'm not sure if there's any questions you want to ask. How do you manage, Tim, whenever people maybe just want to talk about, say, controversial things? You know, they just want maybe a bit of an argument or they, you know, want to get into sort of controversial subjects but don't want to actually talk about core things of Christianity? Yeah. Yeah, um, and let me think now. There probably are those instances, um, and again, there's wisdom there. Um, in it's um, winning the heart, and maybe not winning the argument. So there's times where you will have to be clear on what what you believe and uh, think is right. Um, but um, you just need wisdom in those conversations. I think. And to be honest, there are fewer, I would have those conversations fewer times than I would have conversations of genuine interest or just uh, not really wanting to talk. Um, but yeah, your answer uh, will, you always want to leave the door open for another conversation. I think that's, that's one to go with. So um, sometimes you think, well, this is what I believe, and this is right, and this is wrong, and then you walk away, and the person might think, all right, I'll not mention that again. Um, so be wise with how you answered, and be honest, um, but leave the door open for another opportunity, and remember that what you want to do is see that person saved. Um, so leave that door open for that conversation. So Yeah, good question. Okay, let me just close in prayer. Heavenly Father, um, 
thank you for tonight, Lord. Thank you for um, Lestudor um, for the many decades and years um, of service that has been and blessing it's been, Lord. Thank you for the guys online tonight, Lord, and how you're shaping and molding their lives, Lord. Um, Lord, you know their future and their uh, what lies ahead and what jobs they will have, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that they will continue to seek you in that, Lord. Um, Lord, help us all as, as we go out into this world to be a witness and a light. Help us, Lord, to see the the, wheel, the fields that are white on the harvest, Lord, um, and always be ready to give an answer about you, Lord. Um, Lord, help us to be wise with our words, Lord. Help us to be kind and loving with our actions, Lord. And help us, Lord, to see the reality of living in these last days, Lord, where we are um, ambassadors and disciples and followers of you, Lord. Help us to be uh, faithful in explaining and telling others about you, Lord. Thank you for the great opportunity we have, Lord. Help us to grow in your strength um, and to trust you in every situation, Lord. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.